start thinking about the universe and the planets and all of that and how it's like every song that we sing speaks about how powerful God is and how he set it all up and how he, he times it. And it just, again, I, what, a, what a great God we have. Sovereign. Sovereign. And, and last week we talked about um, God's will for our lives. How do we, how do we determine that? And what, what does that even look like? And we talked about how there's this conventional view that, that somehow God's will for our life is this hidden thing that we have to try and pry out of the fingers of God and figure it out. And we have this fear that, that if we make a wrong decision and we, we tip a domino and that was the wrong domino to tip that all of the rest of our life it's just all going to come crashing down and and we're just going to make a mess of it and and sometimes that's how how we think we and when it comes to God's will for our life I think there's the big three honestly um where are we going to live like in the world who are we going to marry and um you know should we buy a house or rent a house? I mean, I don't know if that's a big three for everybody, but oftentimes, especially our young people, that's sort of what's in their mind. God, and, and those things all revolve around, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And, and, and we live in a world that that's a huge deal to our world and our culture. What are you going to do? I read a, a, a graduation letter this week, and this person stated in there, the question that I always get is, so what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And, and we think about that constantly. And, and we saw last week how actually the more important question and the thing that we need to focus the most of our time is, on is who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? Um, because we can, we can be a children's pastor, we can be a janitor, we can be a truck driver, we can be a farmer, we can be a doctor or whatever, we could be any one of those things, and if we neglect who we are in doing those things, we're completely out of the will of God. And we saw last week how the Bible is very clear on what the will of God is for us. We, we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, that says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Who you are, who I am before God and before people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18 said, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is what? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Very clear. The Bible speaks very clearly about these things. Uh, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus himself said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these other things, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to marry, all of that, will be added unto you. Worrying about it isn't going to add another day. In fact, I would say worrying about things just adds more gray. Wow, that actually rhymed, didn't it? Um, so essentially, what we concluded last week, that God wants you to buy a house that will make you holy. God wants you to get married to someone so you can be holy and be sanctified. He wants you to have a job that will help you grow in your holiness and sanctification and allow you to be a witness to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people that you are around. He has us set apart and he wants us to become more like Christ. And as we make daily decisions and wonder what God's will is for us, if it leads us 
if it's a decision or a choice that we have between a few things and one of those things leads us in the opposite direction of holiness, it's not that. It's not that. It's, that's an easy one. It is God's will that we should be sanctified and seek for his kingdom. So in other words, be holy like Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. That should be where our emphasis is. That's the number one thing. All of these other things, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to live, God's going God's to help you figure that out. God's going to show you that. But, but the biggest priority is not those things. What I'm going to do and where I'm going to be, it's who am I going to be. But then at the end of the message, I acknowledge that we do, in fact, have a lot of decisions to make, right? That's all good. But then, you know, as you think about your life, there's all of these decisions that I need to make. And, and, and we need guidance in making those. And I'm not saying that God doesn't guide us because he does. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How does God guide us in the decisions that we have to make on an everyday basis? Now, there's four, this, these first points in your notes this morning, um, I'm calling them the four tools of the will-finding trade, okay? I want to find the will of God, and these things kind of fall in lines with conventional thinking that there's this hidden will that I've got to find, and if I screw it up, then I'm really going to mess up my life, Um, and sometimes these things can fall into that. They're essentially, the four things are open doors, feelings, fleeces, and random Bible verses, So let's take open doors. Have you ever heard anyone say in their life, I'm trying to make this decision and it seems like all the doors are closing? Right? I have said that. I have said, I'm I'm trying to make this decision, I'm praying about it, and I'm waiting for the doors to open. Okay? Or we started in this direction and the door closed. Now there's a couple dangers that can occur when, when we... Hone in on open and door, open and closed doors. One of the things that, that if we sort of hold to the open door theology, so to speak, um, it can make us lazy. We don't want to make a decision. So we just sort of maybe don't look for things to do, and we assume that, well, it's not that. You know, like I was, I, I was going to call my sister and apologize for something, but the battery on my phone was dead, so God closed that door, so he must not want me to do that right now. Right? We, start, we can start making excuses for not doing things like that. Or, or we, can, we can be looking at a thing, and we can say, well, there's, there's this, you know, this $300,000 house or whatever, and, and, and you know, it, it became available the day I started looking for a house to buy. That must be an open door. God must want me to buy that house. You know, we can start thinking that way, and we have to be careful when we use that tool of the will-finding trade. The second one uh, I want to mention is feelings. And that sort of fits with the open doors, but it's like I just didn't feel God was calling me to that. I just didn't really feel like God wanted me to forgive you. Yeah, that's not God speaking. That's you being prideful and maybe nervous about talking to somebody and and saying that you were wrong. I mean, we we've talked here often about how unreliable feelings can be. They're good and God has given them to us. Yes. But we have to be careful basing decisions on them because our feelings can hinge on what our wife or our husband said to us that morning before we left the house. Our feelings 
can hinge on what we ate for breakfast or how tired we are at the end of a long week or a month. You know, they, they tell pastors, never quit being a pastor on Monday. There's a reason for that. Sometimes, and I've talked to pastors about this who... I've heard stories of pastors who, you know, in churches where they do the whole shake the hand of every person that leaves the church, which we don't do here. Um, and, and he was like, inevitably, I would just cringe as this particular person would be coming through the line because I knew that they were going to say something critical to me about the sermon that I gave that day. You know, if we have to be careful when we base decisions on feelings. Um, there's a lot of ways that feelings can be influenced by something or someone other than the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can influence our feelings. I believe that. I'm not saying he doesn't. And I'm not saying that we should never use a feeling as part of making a decision, but if that's the only way we decide, yes, it's the will of God because I feel like, we need to be careful. The third tool of the will-finding trade um, is fleeces. Now, Gideon is well-known for this method. Uh, in, uh, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, I'm not going to read it, but when God directed Gideon to gather the Israelite troops and, uh, and to defeat the Midianite invaders, Gideon wanted to be sure that it was really God's voice he was hearing and that he understood God's directions correctly. Now, who of us haven't wondered that? That was the original question. How do I know that it's God's, this is God's call on my life and not just a feeling that I have? Right? Well, Gideon felt very strongly about God's words to him, and I'm not sure that they weren't actually audible. Uh, I didn't study uh, Leviticus chapter 6, or Judges chapter 6 this week, so I'm not sure how that went down, but he wanted to know if it was actually God's voice. So he asked God for a sign to prove that this is what he wanted him to do. And the way he did that was Gideon put out a piece of wool overnight, um, And he asked God to make it wet while keeping the ground all around it dry. You know, yesterday morning, I got up in the morning and there was a heavy dew. And it would be like me saying, okay, God, I'm going to put this lawn chair out out in the grass. And tonight, I want the lawn chair just soaking wet, dripping, and the grass to be all dry if, if this is what you want me to do. That's, That's like laying a fleece out there. So... I don't know why. I mean, God, God is patient. God is forgiving. Um, I had someone ask me not too long ago, um, you know, why did God actually do this for Gideon? I, I don't know, but he did. Gideon got up. The fleece was so wet that he could wring a whole bowl full of moisture out of it, and all of the ground around it was, uh, was dry. But then Gideon still wasn't sure. How do you not be sure after that, Right? So Gideon's like, okay, okay. Um, He was still a little weak in his faith. He said, this time, I'm going to do it one more time, God, just to be sure that it's you. Just want to make sure that it was you. So this time, I want the fleece to be dry and everything else to be wet. And God did it. Now, that's not in the Bible as a prescription of how we're supposed to seek the will of God. That's in the Bible because that's how Gideon did it. And, And I just, I don't think God was pleased with that. But, but we also know that in the process of, of, of Gideon's faith, from then on, really, ultimately, I mean, Gideon was, he was in completely. And, and I, you know, we need to be in as well. Um, God did exactly what he 
promised. Um, in Judges 6, 14 through 16, we see God promising that they would have the victory, and that's exactly what happened. And this actually, in Gideon's life, was the second time that he asked or tested. I kind of view it as testing. He tested God to see if God was actually the one that was speaking to him. So I'm not suggesting, what I'm suggesting is we don't use the fleece tool. I, I don't think it would be a very smart thing to do. I, I did that once, actually. I was in the mountains. I was trying to seek the will of God for something. And I said, God, if, if this is what you want me to do, I just want to see this incredible shooting star. Nothing happened. You know, I, I, I kind of think God might have been grinning a little bit. Like, yeah, one day, David, uh, 15 years from now, you're going to understand why I didn't give you a shooting star. Um, I don't know. Um, so th- that's uh, the fleece tool. The fourth tool is this, random Bible verses. Have you ever done this? Have you ever got up in the morning and said, hmm, I wonder what I should do today? And you open your Bible and you point to a verse and you read it. Okay? I don't like that one. I'm going to just maybe try it again. Right? There, I, there are people that do that. I hope that it's not you. If it is you, I want to suggest that maybe you go away from that. Um, all right. I think an unfortunate thing, too, is sometimes people give more credence or more... Um, they... they they think that that uh, that they, they they put more stock in the finger and point method than they do their daily everyday reading and meditation on the Word of God. When God's Word is being very clear in in how He's teaching us, yet we we point well. You've maybe you've heard this joke about the guy that was looking for a word from the Lord and he opened his Bible and he pointed to it and and his finger went to Matthew twenty seven five where it says that Judas went and hanged himself. Obviously not a good word from the Lord, so he tried it again, and he came across Luke 10, 37, and Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. (laughs) Right? No. No, we know that's obviously contrary to what God's word actually says, so of course I'm not saying that we um, should use the random Bible uh, verses, but I also think there are those times when we're trying to make a decision and a verse will come to our mind and it is a reassurance from the Lord that you're on the right track, that this is how I want you to be thinking, that, that, that it's okay for you to decide yes on this. It, it's, I think, too, sometimes God just says, hey, look, look at these great options. You pick. You pick. You decide. And unfortunately, what, what can happen is we're like, well, I just don't, I don't want to screw up the perfect will of God, so we don't decide. And we don't do anything. You know, um, for those of you that, that are really wrestling with this and really trying to make decisions, I want to point you again, as I did last week, to a book called Just Do Something. It's by Kevin DeYoung. Write it down. Get it. It's, it's an easy read. You could read it in a short, well, a lot shorter time than it took me to read it. But um, Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. Um, so what I'm saying, again, is that, that these tools... It's not that that we should never see these four things as part of God's guidance, but we must be very careful as we listen to them. 
which actually, I think, leads us to superstition, right? Um, we sort of, like, like me and the Rockies, I'm telling you, every time I turn the Rockies on to watch them, even if they're winning, they start losing. I was texting somebody the other day, and he's like, would you just shut it off? I left it on long enough for them to catch up within two runs, and then they ended up losing by five. So I I don't know. I just start thinking that way, and I think sometimes we can think about the will of God that way. Well, you know, it's almost the, the magic eight ball way of trying to find the will of God. Well, I'm going to pray about this. Okay, God, I have these two choices. Oh. And that's not how it works. Uh, I think what we're really seeking, as we may, what we really need to seek as we look to make decisions in our life and walk with God in the center of his will is wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Um, this is the foundation, I think, of God-centered decision-making. So, so how do we get wisdom and understanding? Uh, well, we're not born with it, obviously. It's something that grows over time. Um, a, a couple verses here concerning that. Job found himself in a pretty bad situation. Lots of things out of his control happened in his life. Uh, he's wrestling with God, and his friends are sort of helping him, but not really helping that much. Um, so what, could, what did God tell Job as he's seeking the will of God in this and wondering if he somehow screwed it up because all of these bad things were happening to him? In Job chapter 28, verse 28, it says this, And he said to the human race, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Fearing and shunning evil... Uh, Fearing God and seeking righteousness. Solomon, the wisest man on earth, probably ever. Here's what he has to say about wisdom, and I want us all to turn there. Turn to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter 1. We're just going to start looking in Proverbs chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, grab a Bible from underneath a chair in front of you. And uh, if you don't know where Proverbs is, it's page 625, at least, in the... uh, in the Bibles that are under the chairs. Proverbs chapter 1, page 625, beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, song, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, fools are not the ones that, that aren't smart. Okay, A fool isn't somebody that, that doesn't have knowledge about things. A fool is someone who doesn't surrender their life to God and live the way that he wants them to live. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, fear there is not fear as in walking down a dark alley at night in a sketchy part of town. That's not the kind of fear that, that the writer, that, that Solomon is talking about. Solomon is, is talking about um, the fear of God as in a posture of humility and respect. 
the sort of fear that we might have if any one of us were in the presence of a queen or royalty from another country or even, regardless of your politics, meeting with the President of the United States in the Oval Office. I would say the majority of us would enter that, even if we didn't like the person that was there, we would enter that place with a, I would hope, with a sense of respect and honor for the office. Now, we've seen baseball teams and football teams march through there in the last six months. Guys in jeans. I mean, I'm just going, are you kidding me? Really? It, do you think respect is something our culture is losing? Um, it just seems like it. It's, it's like we're not even looking to be respectful anymore. It, it's just whatever. I read an article this morning that some, some, uh, some vandals, they don't know who it was, went through the Garden of the Gods down in Colorado and vandalized a bunch of hieroglyphs. Why? What sense of anything do you get from that other than sort of defacing archaeological history? I mean, it's... That stuff can never be returned to its original state. Um, Friday, we did a, a, a funeral here at the church, and the burial was in Torrington. And so we all got in our cars, and um, I don't, I'm not sure that everybody turned their headlights and flashers on, but we were all in this long line of, of people going to Torrington. And I saw one car on the highway that actually pulled over oncoming traffic and stopped, at least a dozen cars passed us between here and Torrington. And I mean, I get that some of those people don't know necessarily what we are, but I mean, it was a wreck, a train wreck waiting to happen when we got to Torrington because there's all of these cars passing us and we're trying to get over so we can turn and head up to the cemetery. It's, it, and, it's, and I'm not saying that people are intentionally being disrespectful. They just don't know. And, and I think sometimes that's the same way it is with us and God. We're, we're, we don't fear him because we don't really know him. And, and these next four points, or these next three points that I'm going to give us this morning are, are those ways in which we can seek the guidance of God and put ourselves in a place of fear. Healthy fear before the Lord. Um. Uh, look what Solomon says in chapter 2 Turn, flip over to chapter 2 verse 1 my son if you accept my words and store up my commands within you turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god for the lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding it's daily seeking wisdom and understanding of life and and solomon says here's how you do it and he gives it to us in an if then passage he says, if you do this, and he lists three things, then this is going to happen. And that's what I want us to approach this morning. He says, if you accept my words and store up my commands, which are what? What are those things? Where do, those things, where do we find those things? In the Bible, God's word. Okay? If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, 
turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, what does that sound like? I can't hear. I'm, I'm just, I'll just answer it for you. Is that okay? Seeking counsel. Uh, asking other people. Um, and Solomon talks about this in multiple places, and I'll show you those here in a little bit. Indeed, verse 3, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. What is that? It's prayer. It's prayer. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, he's not trying to hide his will from you. He's wanting you to live in it, and he wants to give us understanding. And the Bible says that we have not because we what? We ask not. Let's cry out to him. Daily seeking wisdom, understanding life. God is happy to help us along the way. And, and then he says in the middle of there, these things we are to go after like we would silver or hidden treasure. These are valuable priority kinds of things, these three things that Solomon gives us here this morning, and that we are to search them out, to seek after them with great effort and energy, to seek first the kingdom of God. And what? All these other things are going to be added into us. When I think about my life in that way, I sort of, I I take a deep breath, my shoulders sort of relax a little bit, and I go, you know what? I can do this. When I think it's up to me to figure this out and, 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 and make the exact correct decision to maintain my walking in the middle of God's will, I think, I think at that moment I take on a yoke that Jesus didn't intend for me to carry. See, he said his yoke is light. It's simple, really. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, these words of Solomon are, are important for us this morning. So how do we walk in the way of wisdom? How do we walk in the way of wisdom? First of all, we do that by immersing ourselves on a daily basis in the Bible, Scripture. That's, that's the first thing. It's God's special revelation to us. He gave us this. This is what he wants us to know. If it's not in here, we continue to seek guidance and wisdom in making good decisions, and, and those are the non-moral decisions. Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? You know, who am I going to marry? Those sorts of things. And, and we need to have, as a higher priority, the, the moral kinds of things. How can, I rel- how can I live righteously? How can I seek the Lord? How can I? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Paul tells Timothy, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. It's all right here. You want to know how to have eternal life, how to, to be reconciled with God? It's all right here. It's very clear. And Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. So that righteousness is important so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wise unto salvation, trained in righteousness, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. A lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, the psalmist says, is the word of God. 
It's the foundation that we should build our everyday life on. And the more we meditate and hide its words in our hearts and minds, the more available it becomes to us every day at at a moment's notice when we have a decision that we need to make. I, I want... I want it to become so natural to me that I don't even necessarily have to think about it. It just happens. And the only way that that's going to happen is if I meditate and study and read and think and pray throughout the Word of God. Repetition has a way of doing that, right? My dad always used to say, how can you remember those commercials, blah, 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 but you can't remember such and such. Because those commercials are really good at what they do. And they put them on every five minutes. Did you know, I mean, I want to think about God's word like, like I think about breathing and blinking. Do you ever think about breathing and blinking? You are right now. Um, did you know that on average a person at rest takes 16 breaths per minute? That means 950 an hour, 23,040 a day, or 8,409,600 a year. And you don't even really think about it most of the time. You just do. Of course, if you didn't, the average goes way down. Um, Scientists have also shown that the average person blinks 15 to 20 times per minute. Now, you're counting your blinks right now as I speak, I know. I'm blinking faster than I was before. My average just went up. But that's 1,200 times an hour and a whopping 28,800 times in a day, which is actually much more often than we need to. We just do. In fact, and this blew me away, we spend about 10% of our waking hours with our eyes closed. 10%. Ah, man, I, I thought texting and driving was bad, but blinking and driving might be just as bad. I don't know. 10%. That's how natural I want knowing the word of God to be in my life. And that's a challenge to me because that's an area that, that I honestly, I struggle with. You know, I, 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 I read my Bible in preparation for sermons and I've had people say, well, what are you reading right now just to meditate on? And it's like, dude, I don't have time to just read what I'm meditating on. I had a funeral this week and, and it's my third one in a month and, and there's preparation for that and there's a sermon almost every Sunday. You know, you write a research paper once a week and, and see how much extra time you have to, to live your life. I mean, I, but yet that's not something I can neglect. Because I think, you know, I I would trust that God has more for you than just what you hear on a Sunday morning, and I would think the same of myself. God has more to teach me than just what, you know, I get the sense that he wants you to learn on a Sunday morning. Um, So, um, we need to study and apply God's word to our life. And sometimes, again, it's not just knowing more, it's applying what we already know. It's doing what we already know. Uh, maybe there's something that God is speaking into your heart even now as I say that. But, but we continue to be faithful. Second, we exert patience and take the time to listen to the counsel of others. Counsel. Counsel. Um, now, the ones we listen to should not start with the name Oprah or Dr. Phil. Honestly. I mean, they, know, they have some specialties, okay? But, but 
they're not basing their counsel on what the Bible says. And, and you and I need to have friends who we know are living their life as we are attempting to in the center of God's will, seeking his word, seeking the counsel of others, and praying. And we need to ask them, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about these decisions? What should I do? And God uses other people in our lives to help us make decisions. Proverbs twelve fifteen in the New Living Translation says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. I've known fools. Um, of course, I've been one. One fool in particular, I'm a relative of, was looking to buy a pickup. Well, I, I talked to him like eight months later and he'd lost his job and was behind on his payments and was going to lose it. And I said, how did you even think that you could make the payments on this pickup? I said, did you ask your dad what he thought? And he's like, no. Because I knew dad would say no. Lesson learned, I guess. You know, ask your dad. He might have some very good advice and some good counsel. Um, Proverbs 15.22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors brings success. This is from the wisest man on the planet. Proverbs 19, verse 20, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Something else that's important for us to have in our lives, I think, is a teachable spirit. We need to be humble enough that when we ask someone's advice, we're willing to say, you know what, I didn't think about that before. Or we need to be willing to say, you know what, I think I was thinking wrong about that. I, th- I think you're right. And, and change our mind on that. DeYoung says it this way. He says, if no one has ever heard you change your mind about something, then you are either a God, little g, or you have mis- mistaken yourself for one. I can say without a doubt that I make better decisions when I first consult my wife. <laughs> I see a few nods shaking, especially my wife's. Um, it's true. What I wear, um, things that I say. Sometimes we leave a conversation and my wife says, man, you were really rude. And I'm like, how was I rude? Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that now. Shouldn't have said that. Um, so we need to listen to the counsel of others. The God-centered approach to make decisions includes meditating on God's word, the Bible, listening to the counsel of others, and finally, spending time in prayer. So what do we pray for then if we're not praying for God to give me the answer of what he wants me to do? Because that's kind of what I've been saying all along is, um, you know, we're, we oftentimes ask God directly, what do you want me to do? And when we expect him to just say, well, this. And a lot of times he doesn't answer that way. We don't get the note on a silver platter, which we wish we would get sometimes. Um, well, first of all, we ask God for illumination. We, we ask him to open up our minds so that we can understand the Bible and apply it to our lives on a daily basis. I, that's the first thing I think we pray for in seeking guidance of God and how we should live our life. Second, we pray for wisdom. 
Uh, I said it earlier, we have not because we ask not. God wants us to make good decisions, and he wants us to be more like Christ. He's commanded that of us, and if we, if we ask him and we pray and ask him to help us with that, he will answer and he will teach us, and he will, um, you know, it's God's will that we have good motives. It's God's will. So pray for good motives. It's God's will that, that we have an attitude of trust and faith and obedience. So pray for Trust, faith, and obedience. Pray for humility and teachability. Pray that the good news of the gospel would be spread in and around the area, your areas of influence. That God would, in fact, use you. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So let's spend the majority of our time, as we're trying to discern God's will for our life, on the things in our lives that we know God wants. That we know God wants. Less time worrying about the things we don't know. And all of these things that we don't know, I believe, God's word says clearly, will be added unto us. And we're not going to tip with one wrong decision and screw up and wreck the rest of our lives. Because if our God is big enough to spin the universe with a spoken word so that 10 years ago people could say there's going to be a a total eclipse on this day at this time. He's big enough to give you the guidance that you need to make good godly decisions in your life. Let's pray and then we're going to close with a final song. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us and that you care and that You know every person in here by name. You knew them before they were born. Really, in the beginning of time, you knew all things. And I know that you love us deeply and aren't some sort of tricky God who wants us to navigate life like a corn maze. You've given us very clear things in your word. And I pray, God, that we would know them and obey them, live them out. And as we seek first your kingdom, we could trust you with all the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's close with this song.